Charlotte, Boston Sports Original, on the go, wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. We're right back to WEEI. Sports Original, 93.7 FM, WEEI, and all across the WEEI Sports Radio Network. This is not Mego and Arcan. This is not Jones and Mego. This high-energy holiday fill-in extravaganza is, of course, Fitzy and Don Darrow coming to you today on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, observed from 2 to 5 p.m., at which point we will pass the baton to our pal, Rich Keefe, for a two-and-a-half-hour version of the Rich Keefe Show. Of course, this morning, you enjoyed... Bradfoe and Hart, a unique combination, if ever there were, in place of the Greg Hill Show. And we thank Jim Rome for coming all the way in to fill in today for aggression. <laughs> is, there, is there ever a combination involving Rob Bradford that you couldn't consider unique? Oh, everything Bradfoe is unique. He's, unique. He's, he's, he's the he's definition unique. of unique. I know you're not allowed to say, like, most unique, more unique, uniquely unique, because if something is unique, that means there is just but a singular version of it. But Rob Bradford is one unique individual. That's right. Nick Fitzy Stevens, Mark Dondero. You need a middle name because Andy is, he goes by Jumbo Hart. That's his Twitter handle at Jumbo Hart. Um, I found out it's because he went to Tufts, the Jumbos. That's okay. why. I, I wasn't sure if it was like a, uh, you know, like I'm a Jumbo guy. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. that dope. You don't want to go there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so we need like a, it's Nick Fitzy Stevens and Mark. I'll have Mark to the come spark. Up with, I'll come up with something. It's good to be with you, though, Fitzy. Good to be with you, too, my guy. We've got three straight hours of action-packed, mostly football-centric talk. We will keep you updated as to how the Boston Bruins and the Boston Celtics are doing. They both have, of course, holiday matinees. Celtics are up by 11 right now as they cruise towards the half. And, of course, the Bruins are up, I believe, 2 nothing in their matinee as well. If you'd like to join the program today, 617-779-7937 is the telephone number. The text line is open and available for business at 37937. Producer Action Jackson, I trust named after the 1987 Carl Weathers action. Well, well of course. Of Actually, course. no, that came after me. That was named after me. I'm named after a cat. Well, <laughs> you're named after a cat? Yep. My, uh, my, uh, my dad's best friend, Jimmy, had a cat named Jackson, and my, my parents loved the name. And I have no middle name, so it's... it's That's it? Yeah. So, just, now, so, we need, so we need a broadcast middle name for Dondero... We need an actual middle name for you. Well, Jackson Burns is a cool radio name as it is. Jackson Burns is like, that would also be a great name for a segment where you like roast people. You know what? I've been thinking about that a lot. Yes. That would be nice. Whenever you fill in in the morning, I hear you a lot on the weekends, but I also uh, see some uh, Action Jackson on the Greg Hill Show. Like, yeah. Greg should give you a little little mic time so you could do like some sick celebrity burns. That's a great idea. I, mean, I will credit you with that. I'm going to steal it, but I still will credit you. So, If nothing else, I've given away so much IP over the course of my life. Jackson, it's the least I can do. I'm an idea guy. Hey, thank you. Actu- actualizing them and making money off of my own IP, terrible at it. Well, you know, I mean, it's you know, one step at a time. <laughs> one step at a time, exactly. Uh, the socials, of course, at WEI, at FitzyGFY, and uh, is yours at Mark Dondero? At Mark Dondero. Straight up, at Mark Dondero. There we be. All right. What a weekend of football. I have thoroughly enjoyed. I have thoroughly enjoyed, I hate saying this considering I work for the team, I live and die by their every move, and there's nothing outside of my own family I love probably more than a cold beer, talking movies, 
or just everything Patriots. But I have thoroughly enjoyed the Patriots not being a part of these playoffs this weekend because I got so frustrated, so sick and tired of analyzing and complaining about and scrutinizing and wondering what in the holy hell was going on with the Patriots that by the time that they found a way to lose one more game last week or beat themselves uh, in process of the Buffalo Bills beating them and eliminating them from their season two years in a row now last week, it just became something where I wanted to revert back to just appreciating football, watching some excellent wild card action. I love Super Wild Card Weekend. I know a lot of people, Mark, that don't like, you know, seven teams getting in because you get crappy football because usually teams six and seven don't belong there. Four or five games so far, and even half of game number one until the Purdy one uh, in San Francisco decided to turn on the gas in the second half against the Sea Chickens. This has been a great weekend of football. Saturday night's outcome, ridiculous. Only the Chargers could find a way to do Charger things and blow a 27 to nothing lead. Yesterday, great games. Miami had every no business being in that game, and yet by the end of a four-hour sunny Buffalo affair, they could have easily walked away with the win. The Giants... Are we headed for another Super Bowl run against those skull frauds beating the Vikings? And last night, I mean, the play of the weekend, one play that just signifies what a crazy weekend it's been. Uh, The backup quarterback, Huntley, going in, trying to pull the Trevor Lawrence, knocked away, 98-yard return. Just awesome football. Awesome football. It was was a game, especially in Buffalo, that it couldn't have happened better. It couldn't have uh, unfolded Mm -hmm. more. Because... You didn't want my like you didn't want Miami to win. No. You know what I mean? Because that would have taken away from next week. They weren't gonna make a run. No. But for that game, it was awesome. You pushed Buffalo. You know, it got a little bit interesting. The fans were on edge. You didn't know they could have lost, but they didn't lose. It was a great weekend, and I'm somebody that did not care for the seventh uh playoff team. Okay. Um I didn't I, I didn't really care for the expanded playoff field. I thought but last week or this weekend and then tonight, mm-hmm. I guess I'm I guess I don't. I guess I like it now because yep. it just opened my eyes and my doors are now wide open because that was an unbelievable football experience I wasn't expecting to have. And arguably the best game of the weekend is tonight. Now we'll see. But on paper, I was most excited about tonight's game going into the weekend. This game tonight has a lot to live up to. Going into, uh, as far as the AFC goes, we're done with AFC games, obviously. One go- one more game tonight. The 8-9 and NFC South <clears throat> champion because yep. you do get air quotes when I mean you're a champion but at the same time like when you have a losing record and you're a division champ you deserve the air quotes. Oh sure. The 8-9 and nine division champion of the NFC Southmouth Tampa Bay Buccaneers host Dax Attack and the 12-5 and five Dallas Cowboys. 8-15 we got Buck and Aikman on the call. A little Monday farewell to Monday Night Football as well. Yep. This could be an, a spectacular matchup. I gotta say the AFC went 3-3. Three for three. Like, the NFC's got a lot to live up to tonight because the AFC was 3-for-3 three three in terms of total value, entertainment, time invested. Yesterday on the whole, from 1 o'clock until 11.30, I was thoroughly engaged and entertained. It was an absolute joy. And when I say that, you know, I was glad the Patriots weren't, obviously I wish they, I wish they were. Obviously I wish they were better. But watching a Buffalo team almost get beat again. They are ripe for the picking, and we'll get to how we feel about next weekend's games coming up, and I don't think I would be making any plans to go to Atlanta for a neutral site championship if I were Buffalo Bills fans. To see that team, and then the absolute frauds, the absolute horn-wearing, purple-colored, Midwestern frauds that Kirk Cousins, who trotted out primetime Kirk Cousins yesterday, 
lose that game. The Giants dominated that game. True. Yeah. I mean, it was only a one-score affair. All three games yesterday were one-score affairs, but like the that was the Giants game. Pretty much from the time they tied it up at seven-seven, all the way all the way through into the end. And Kirk Cousins, to me, it was unconscionable to think that Kirk Cousins, with his you know his life, his bacon, his team's future on the line in front of seventy thousand fans in that incredible arena, to check down to the tight end hoping he makes a move on a safety on fourth and eight was absolutely pathetic. So so just explain again why you were happy or you enjoy the Patriots not being in it. Well, like, right, I, so I don't my, understand. So the reason why I was relieved. It yeah, was more relieved, like, relieved. It's not like I'm, well, I'm thrilled the Patriots right, right, aren't there. Relieved. I wish they were. But, like, they could have beaten teams like Minnesota. They could have beaten teams like Buffalo. They should have beaten those teams. Yeah. Hell, they should have beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati allowed them to waltz right back into that game. But if the Patriots were not going to be a team, an opportunistic football team that would take advantage of the mistakes made by other teams, gifted opportunities to get back into ball games they had no business being in given their lackadaisical effort early on in, in most of them, if they were just going to continue to do this, build us up only to let us down and continue to let us down further and frustrate us along the way, then just give me, the football fan, a weekend away from the anxieties and the frustrations and the complaints and the aggravation, sadly, that the 2022 iteration of the Patriots caused us. Okay, so I'm glad you felt that way because I did not feel that way. In fact, I got more frustrated yesterday ah, about the Patriots. I, now, good. let me just say this. Good. I went into the weekend, and the games were great. I enjoyed the games, obviously. Yes. But I went into the weekend actually very optimistic about the Patriots because the, I, I think that they are closer to some of the teams that I saw this weekend that maybe we thought going into last week or whatever. Now, I think they're not that far off. So that's the optimistic side, and we can get to that. But coming out of the weekend, okay, I'm, I'm watching some of these teams. I'm watching some of these games. I'm watching some of these situations mm-hmm. get put to the test. The Giants, the Jaguars, okay? And, I'm, and I'm, I keep seeing people tweeting and, and people, you know, everybody saying, Look what coaching does. Look what having a good coach. Look at Brian Dayball. Look what he did to Daniel Jones. They were three and fourteen, or whatever they were, three mm-hmm. and fourteen last year with Joe Judge. In, with and Jason Joe Judge, so, <laughs> they were three and fourteen last year, and Daniel Jones was awesome on the road in the playoffs, and they won a game. Like when you think about it, and you put it in a vacuum with what the Patriots are trying to accomplish. Robert Kraft's comments at the owners' meetings back in March, or whatever. This team, this organization, is just trying to get back to winning a playoff game. Mm-hmm. The, the Giants, what's his name? Dayball comes in, one thing, two things, we're back in the playoffs, we win a playoff game. He made it look easy, okay? Good coaching. Jacksonville, Urban Meyer disaster. Here comes uh, Doug Peterson, good coaching. Obviously, that wasn't a good first half, but they come back, the Jaguars do, and win the game. And I keep hearing this thing about coaching, the good coaching. Then I think about the Patriots, and it's like, all right, where did that good coaching show up in the form of a head coach? Peterson, Dayball. The Patriots have a head coach, Mm -hmm. you know. They're going to change, allegedly, based on that weird, uh, you know, the the press release last week. And we'll get to momentarily, at least in the next break, and if not beyond, what a strange, you talk about unique, what a strange and unique week it was for the New England Patriots. Very unique. The the head coach is here. The head coach isn't going anywhere. These teams that got the great coaching got new head coaches. So I guess my question, like, that's disappointing to me that those guys were able to come in and change that situation, Daniel Jones, and turn him into a playoff-winning quarterback when Mac Jones, who had all that success last year, you know, and you want to put the air quotes there, that's fine, went to the playoffs, 
and then took he regressed the way he did. Now I understand Bill Belichick made those hires and those hires were a disaster. Mm-hmm. But to put it mildly, it's still, right? But it's still just disappointing to watch those teams take that type of step forward and watch Daniel Jones. I mean. That's everything you want in a head coach. Mm-hmm. When you can come in and change the quarterback like that, that's like what, uh, going back a decade, what um, Jim Harbaugh did with, with Kaepernick and Alex Smith. Oh. Like That was one of the most impressive. Smith was yes. awful. He was awful before Harbaugh got there and turned him into a guy going to the NFC Championship game. That was as impressive as I saw, and it made me feel worse in the moment about the Patriots and what happened this year when you look at Jacksonville and how they attacked in that second half and how they were able to erase that deficit. And Daniel Jones looking like, as some have said, the best player in the entire field mm-hmm. over the weekend. Maybe the best effort by any single player. The fact that he threw high completion percentage, two touchdown passes, over 300 yards passing. Dude almost had 100 yards rushing, too. This is the guy... Who I, you know, I wasn't sure if his chin strap didn't work harder than he did because I thought he was a complete flame out and failure. Oh. But it turns out to be the product, like you said. And I think we're both we're both saying the same thing, but we're just looking at it from different perspectives. You found yourself getting more aggravated by the fact that the Patriots were not in this field and that it was coaching and bad decisions made along the way in preparation with a genius coach uh, or you know a legendary coach in place. And bad supporting staff, bad auxiliary coaches who did this team dirty this year. I was just so frustrated with what this team was and how it showed how it showed time and again their propensity for self, you know, self immolation, like one disaster, one self inflicted wound after another. That I would rather sit back, enjoy football in its purest playoff form or this new reconfigured playoff form, make these notes like you've been talking about, Mark, and then. Look at it like, okay, so when they do get a good offensive coordinator, when they bring in a proper quarterback's coach next season, and when they make some moves via free agency and maybe even trade for that number one receiver, which you don't necessarily need, as proved by Dayball, Daniel Jones, well et cetera. Well said. And well like, said. It'll, it will be great to see the Patriots come back next year like, okay, we fell down. Why do we fall down to learn how to pick ourselves back up again? and hopefully do better. 617-779-7937 is the telephone number. When we come back, winners and losers from the weekend, how the Patriots stack up against this competition, and, of course, what an interesting week we just had in Foxborough. But first, we trend with my guy, Mark Dondero. The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Super Wild Card Weekend continued yesterday with three very entertaining games, all being decided by a single possession. The Bills survived the Dolphins 34-31. The Giants silencing the doubters, going to Minnesota and beating the Vikings 31-24. And the Bengals, they get off to a good start in the postseason. 98-yard, a postseason record 98-yard fumble return for a touchdown, and they beat the Ravens 24-17 to wrap up the night. You can catch the final game of Super Wildcard Weekend right here on WEI as the Dallas Cowboys head to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. Our coverage for that game begins at 7.30, so be sure to tune in. The Boston Celtics currently playing. They are up right now. What's the score of that game? They're playing in Charlotte. 66-55, 66-55. They're up double digits there. That game's still in progress in Charlotte and the Bruins. They're taking on. They're hosting. Uh, they the just Flyers. scored two goals. They just scored in two quick goals. Seconds. Four nothing. The Bruins oh. up over the Flyers. Ah. It was just two nothing, and then they scored the two quick goals. Bruins and Celtics in control. We'll keep you updated on those games as the afternoon continues. Mark Dundaro in with Fitzy. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. 
A-U-D-A-C-Y. Type that into your app search, then download. This is W-E-E-I. Patterson's kick is up. The field goal is good! 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 The Jaguars have won it! The Jaguars have won it! They have come back from 27-0 to win the game and move on! How good is that? That's what I'm talking about! It was earlier this morning during the Bradfoe and Hart or the Andy Hart show featuring Rob Bradford or Bradfoe isn't boring featuring Andy Hart, whatever they decided <laughs> to call this morning's program. Uh, I heard because uh, one of the producers on the weekends here, Ethan uh, Hristodoulou, he's I've worked with him many times. Excellent guy, excellent producer. Jacked, jacked. Yeah. The first thing you notice about him, you're like, guy's got great hair. Oh man, look at the biceps. Yeah, on this I, guy. I said he jacked. should be in like a romance novel. He you know, looks like-, like he should be on the front cover of like just to paint the picture for everyone. Hello. Uh, this is Fitzy and Hart. We excuse me. See, I work with Andy so much. You now work with I, Andy I so much. That's it. all right. I look like Andy. It's Fitzy. <laughs> Way nicer. <laughs> uh, kidding. He might be listening somewhere. We're shaking both an big angry fist. fullback type of people. Exactly. You know? By the uh, way, I, I opened the show with the trooper because you, my friend Fitzy, are the trooper. You have been on what every day for the past you know month and a half, two months. Hart and I pretty much have been on this station every day, whether it's nights, afternoons, mornings, whatever. For the better part of like the last month, you know, bench is a little thin. It's the holidays. You need guys to fill in. Like we're going full like Troy Brown, Super Bowl thirty nine, Brock Holt catching yep. first base, Bugs Bunny, second base, Bugs Bunny, third base, Bugs Bunny, shortstop, <laughs> yeah. Bugs Bunny. Like we've been all over the dial. But uh, so anyway, this morning, Ethan is producing the Brad Foe and Hart program, and this is Fitzy and Dindaro in the afternoon today, two to five on WEEI. And so they start talking about Brad Foe sort of steers it to. Uh, weightlifting songs because Ethan obviously you know leg day, bye day, chest day, whatever else. Um, and they were talking about that, and so Jackson rejoining. Long story short, with Firewoman by the Cult, that was on in the weight room every day. It was like Metallica, the Cult, Winger, all the ass rock you could possibly imagine <laughs> yep. was always on when I when I went to Braintree High, and I would go to the weight room all the time when I was on the football team and the track team, like. That album, that's a legend album. That song that is song. a banger, and that that's, album is awesome. Uh, is that what, uh, Sonic Cult? Just Sonic the Cult. Temple. No, it's the Cult. Is it Sonic Temple the name of the album? Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, great, fantastic great. album. There were probably a lot of guys out there, like, dusting snow off their Camaros Air in their jeans, who they heard that, and they were like, I don't know who these guys are, but I'm going to give them a listening occasion because that song smokes. Hell yeah. <laughs> I got some good gems coming up, too. I love it, Jackson. Good Can't job, wait. buddy. Uh, so... Mark and I, during the first break, were talking about Wild Card Weekend. Uh, you may have heard me say that I was glad the Patriots weren't in the playoffs. I'm sure that probably struck many of you that were listening, or the, anyone who's just listening now is a bit off-kilter or a bit of a surprise. My grander point being, once again, I will requalify that it was nice, given the way the Patriots were playing, and as far as they could go or what they could do with this coaching structure and the talent they have on this team and what they've done to Mac Jones, I didn't want to watch the Patriots squeak into the playoffs only to either get their blank handed to them once again or find a way to go up in a game and then drop the loss or make another mistake. I would rather just enjoy the football, step back, and then hopefully appreciate the reconstruction they 
undertake this offseason, and then get your ass back in the postseason next year with a wide receiver one, with a better offensive line, with a real offensive coordinator, and some confidence for Mac Jones going forward. That was my biggest takeaway, Mark, and I know you found yourself getting more aggravated by the fact that the Patriots found a way not to make this postseason. Of course I'm optimistic over the fact that they're going, according to the press release, going to find a new offensive coordinator, which they absolutely need. My question, though, is, again, as I was exposed to all these other teams and hearing all the chatter, the the head coach mm-hmm. is what ultimately, that's the guy that dictates the culture. You know, like we've heard the cliche a million times, the team takes on the personality of their head coach. So I'm just wondering, just because the Patriots are going to go out and get a new offensive coordinator, which, by the way, we don't even know who that's going to be. You know, and it could be, you could swing and miss. Which like, way, Which what's your bet? Andy, uh, Tom, Tom Curran yesterday intimated when he joined the Football Sunday program with me and Hart. Yep. Tom Kern intimated that he thinks it's going to be Bill O'Brien. He didn't come out and say it's absolutely, you know, like a, it's a lock, like bet it now. But he he believes that that's the way it's ultimately going to turn. I think Andy feels that way too. I still think there may be a candidate to be named later who's going to emerge that will turn some heads. Now, will that be someone outside the family tree or will it be somebody that we have never heard of before? You know, your guess is as good as mine. Who do you think it's going to I, be? I think... I have no idea. Um, I guess I would say Bill O'Brien only because that's the guy that everybody is sort of talking about and the name that keeps popping up. So normally, generally, I would think that's never going to happen. But now because this this statement or whatever, this press release came out, now I'm actually thinking that, hey, maybe the it's a different world we live in and that is going to happen. So I guess I would go with Bill O'Brien just because of the familiarity mm-hmm. and the fit and you know just some of the other things. I, I just, I'm, I'm wondering if that alone, though, even if it is Bill O'Brien, is that going to be enough? Because the thing is, Fitzy, like the way when when Dayball got to New York and took the reins of Daniel Jones, he show, he coached him up to a point where he would be able to have that game that he had against the Vikings. I understand the Vikings mm-hmm. defense isn't great, and Mack didn't look that bad against the Vikings defense uh, for three quarters. He three looked quarters. excellent. He did look good, but I'm just saying, like that the culture allowed for that game to happen. The culture that Dayball created there allowed for that type of game. The culture that uh, Doug Peterson created in Jacksonville allowed for that type of comeback to happen, even though Trevor Lawrence this year throwing down the field hasn't been that good. And some of that's probably the mm-hmm. weapons or whatever you want to say. He's but, got great possession receivers with Zay Jones, yeah. Evan Eng- the renaissance of Evan Engram, for God's sake. Sure. He couldn't do anything in New York, but goes down there. And look at Christian Kirk, the contract most mocked this offseason. Four years, $84 million. What are they smoking down there in Jacksonville? Turns out, money well spent. They've got to find, the Patriots have to find a way, not just to bring in a good offensive coordinator, they have to find a way to change the culture. Like, the vision of the offense has to change. Because it felt like, to me, every game they wanted to play was, like, okay, Mm -hmm. Brian Dayball didn't go in there and try to, oh, Daniel Jones has had some struggles. We're going to go in there and we're going to find every which way to protect him. So when we're playing games and we're trying to win games, we're going to we're going to win around Daniel Jones's weaknesses. No, no, no. He went in there and turned weaknesses into strengths or changed the confidence level whatever it was and turned Daniel Jones into a baller and a playmaker. The Patriots, I felt like every time they had to rev it up this year to throw it, they get mm-hmm. behind or something happened. It was like, "All right, all right, Mac, you ready? Put your seatbelt on, okay, hon? Okay, we're going to throw now. You ready to throw? Like, they weren't attacking the situation in the moment. They need to be They need to be excited about throwing. They need to attack 
situations when it's time to throw the ball and attack games that they're that like they're going to plan to throw it and have success. I felt like they never planned on having success throwing the ball this year. And it was evident that those other teams felt more confident on the whole that they were going to be able to do that, especially the Giants. Mm-hmm. Like they could go in there and throw the ball and win games and not be afraid. And I just think the the culture has to change for the offense of the pay, the offense. Maybe that will be done just by bringing in an offensive coordinator, a new one, a better one. But I don't know. These other teams got new head coaches and things change. We're getting the same head coach, which might not be bad. He is a legend, but it's a, they need to change the culture of the offense. And sometimes when you have the same leadership, that could be dicey. I don't know. Yeah, it can be. But that's a great takeaway from the weekend as we sit back and watch four-and-a-half dynamic, thrilling super wildcard weekend games with one to come tonight. That, to me is the grandest takeaway, not, wow, look at how crazy the 2022 NFL NFL season has been. It has been. Look at how close all these games are. Yesterday, three one-score games. Unbelievable. Great. I mean, NFL just dominating. 82 of the top 100 TV shows last year, all NFL games. But the whole entire idea of a coach, a coordinator, and a system making a difference is, to me, the grand takeaway. Yes, we need a wide receiver one. Yes, they need to beef up the line. Yes, there's a million different things you can see in all these games. They need to get more creative with the play calling, of course. There's a million different takeaways you can glean from the five games we've watched so far. Sometimes it's uh, system-based. I mean, could it be Brock Purdy or Mark Dundero or Trey Lance or anyone under center in San Francisco? Could anyone be good for 41 points with that incredible offense that Kyle Shanahan has put together and the pain Patriots fans felt watching Metcalf and Debo, and the other wide receiver from Arizona State, Brandon Ayuk, the one we should have taken yeah. a year later, all flourish out there, while, of course, the Nikhil Harry experiment was truly one of the harder and darker times in Pat's fan history. But coaching matters so much. Literally, addition by subtraction in Jacksonville. You get rid of Urban Meyer, already you're a better team. Doug Peterson comes in. Much respect also to the brass stones that that guy brought to that game Saturday night. Going for two. The Travis Etienne handoff off tackle on fourth and one when they everybody on earth thought they were going up the gut. Staging that comeback. Look what they did with Tra- Trevor Lawrence was a disaster last year. Now we're finally seeing the kid uh, from Clemson once again who we all thought was a bona fide stud and a surefire NFL prospect. Now he's emerged. Now he's growing. Coaching does matter. Brandon Staley can't take his head out of his blank. He should be on the sidelines doing his bizarro yoga or, you know, teaching Bikram someplace, not coaching the NFL because he found a way to squander a 27 to nothing lead. And, of course, the ultimate example is the Giants. I mean, what Dayball has done in, you know, shining up and turning Daniel Jones into a a stud, someone who's probably going to get a $150 million deal, a legitimate QB one in the NFL with the best statistical weekend of all a team. You can't name, name a giants wide receiver, not named Darius Slayton. I, I can't, yeah. you can't No, It's Saquon Jones, Slayton, Kayvon Thibodeau on defense. And that's it. I don't know. any uh, Xavier McKinney, the guy who made the game ending tackle. They get Dexter Lawrence. Uh, yeah. I mean, like there's not a lot of like studs on that team, but Holy smokes, what he's done and bringing in a bright, young, ascending mind like Mike Kafka, uh, a quarterback who couldn't do squat in the league, but obviously had a brain on his shoulders. Yeah. And so we've been told the same from Mac Jones. What they've done with that scheme, that team, and Daniel Jones on the Giants is tr- beyond remarkable. Like, it's astounding. They should This should be taught for years to come. And this should show you, as Mark was just saying, Pats fans, 
that with just a couple of tweaks and a good coordinator and just a little shock to the culture to get everyone's blanks back in line and in gear, the Patriots can play much better football. They've got enough talent. They'll be better next fall. You know what's even worse, though, about that? What? Okay. Juxtaposed to the Giants turnaround that you just outlined. Yeah. Who who did that guy that orchestrated that whole turnaround replace? The guy that is your quarterback coach, okay, who is overseeing the regression of Mac Jones. Now, just for me, just for Uh, a second, uh, I just want to play devil's advocate for a second and ask you a question. Because I I didn't research this, but I want to know. And I'm I'm, I'm thinking right now as we're talking. Here's the this could be a problem for the Patriots, but maybe not. I just want to throw it at you. Can you think of an example where on offense mm-hmm. there was a head coach in place, mm-hmm. there was a quarterback in place, and you brought in an offensive coordinator, and that seriously turned around the situation? I, I, off the top of my head, I can't. I can think of it on defense. I can think of a quarterback turning around on a dime when a new head coach arrives. We just said Dayball, Harbaugh, some of those situations. You know, I always refer to this a few like a decade ago. The the Houston Texans had an awful defense, awful. Mm-hmm. The next year, they hired Wade Phillips, top ten, and it turned around on an inst- in an instant. It yep. turned around. I can't think off the top of my head of a situation that had a quarterback and a head coach in place, one offensive coordinator out, new one in, and then the whole thing changed. In just a year's time. In just a year's time, where the culture and the scheme and the execute and everything changed for the better. That drastically. I can't think of one. We can continue to go along and see. So that would make me worried that just because the Patriots bring in somebody, it doesn't mean it's going to change. The head coach has to be a big part of that, too. Now, we have. it's not like we don't have any confidence in Bill Belichick, and maybe he is open to things that a few years ago he wasn't open to via this press release, but... I'm just thinking, I don't recall a time where you bring in an offensive coordinator and things just change. Maybe, maybe you could say, um, who was the guy, Greg Roman, mm-hmm. when he went into... From San Francisco, yeah. he went from San Francisco to the Ravens. The and Ravens. What he basically did, that's actually probably one of the best examples of an offense and a culture and a scheme, a playing style changing to adapt to a certain quarterback skills, those being... Lamar Jackson's. What the offense they've designed there is 100% geared toward and tailor cut for Lamar Jackson. Like no one else can go in there and run that off. Right. Now, we saw Tyler Huntley uh, try right. several times this year. And of course, last year when Lamar got hurt as well, he did fine. It's obviously, but he doesn't have the physical gifts that Lamar Jackson does. But that that is all entirely designed for and specially fit. It's like retrofit perfectly to Lamar Jackson. That's a good example. I can give you an example of when a coordinator was brought in and an offense regressed, and that would be the 2020 Miami Dolphins. Uh, That was the year they went back and forth between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tungavailoa. They they couldn't decide, like, Flores had one guy come in, one guy not. Because in 2019, they had Chad O'Shea, our old pal from the Patriots, uh, Flores and O'Shea had some disagreements. They accused him of having an offense that was too Patriot-centric. They fire him. They bring in Chan Gailey and his, you know, a, an absolute relic, and the offense takes massive steps back that year. Yeah. Then they replace him with another guy the next year as well. So I can remember offensive coordinators being brought in and having a negative effect. I can't think of anyone who had been brought in and all of a sudden just, like, lit the offense on fire. More often than not, it's just talent-based. You could say Bill O'Brien over a decade ago here, but that's because they 
you know, had the the Boston TE party and you had Hernandez and Prime Gronk just running amok all over NFL fields. They were undefendable at that point. Yeah, and, and nobody's saying that if they get another offensive coordinator, a new one, that this isn't going to benefit the team. I think we, we all think it will. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying maybe we got to uh, temper the expectations or whatever, however you want to say it. The good news is I'm doing more things. You know, I was doing a lot of thinking over the week and watching these games. And it's like, let me think about some of the teams that I've watched, not just this weekend, but this year. The The... Uh, Dolphins with Tua, okay? Mm-hmm. Even the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, and I know all the Alabama guys. But you're telling me that in the right situation with some weapons, Mac Jones couldn't do that? I mean, Tua was mm-hmm. like for a minute there an MVP candidate. Jalen Hurts led that team to the number one seed. Who is not going to call Jalen Hurts somewhat of a, of a system quarterback? He got weapons. They do what's right for him. They tailored their thing to what he does well. You telling me Mac Jones couldn't do that? Like I still think Mac Jones could become that if given the weapons and the scheme slash system, an appropriate scheme that could allow him to be at his best. I think he could be that quarterback and play at that level. Well, you have to also look at the talent in Philadelphia. Yes, like Nick Sirianni coming and, in and Miami. Yep, and changing the program around. Yeah, you have elite weaponry in Miami. Yep. Obviously, on the outside, they don't get they don't get sharper, quicker, or faster than Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. Neither of whom had a day that they no. would want to be posting to the top of their LinkedIn profile yesterday. Way too many drops in Buffalo, but in Philadelphia, you have a great offensive line. You've got an absolute stud on the outside to each of Hertz's side. He's flanked like Devonta Smith, the Slim Reaper, came into his own this year. A.J. Brown, again, more pain for the Pats fan. That guy is an absolute hoss. He is a stud. And you got Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard. Like, you put Mac Jones behind that line with that talent, yeah, he's going to have a great season. He's not the same kind of quarterback just because he went to Alabama as Jalen Hurts is. He's not going to run for 75 yards a game. He's Mm -hmm. not a threat to bolt from the 30 and take it to the six-point house. But he could do that if they surrounded him with that talent. Absolutely. And that's why this offseason coming up for the Patriots is not just huge in terms of, like, putting more brains back on the sideline after the brain drain of the last several years and the foolish move to install Patricia and Judge um, as the offensive coaching system or, you know, cadre, if you will. God, just still just we we all can't wait to alt-delete that one forever. You got to get the higher right, though. Yeah. Like, they've got to still do that. I got excited about the press release, but they got to make the hire. You know, they haven't done that yet, and that's the key. That is the key. And that press release that came out this week, in case you happen to not see it, that we made mention of earlier, Tuesday night around 7 o'clock, the Patriots put out a press release announcing that they were making an effort to retain uh, linebackers coach, co-defensive coordinator, not in title, but sort of in, in mind, Gerard Mayo, and they were officially announcing the beginning of, of the search for an offensive coordinator, which was about as unpatriot-like as it can get. Now, of course, that came off of Monday's email to season ticket holders that was passed around uh, and made its way to the media, I'd say, by around the lunchtime hour. And that was Robert Kraft basically outlining in no uncertain terms that the Patriots were not going to put up with what happened this season, apologizing to the people that helped keep the lights on and keep the field green, at Gillette Stadium, saying that they hold this team to a higher standard and there would be major changes brought about to get the Patriots back to their winning ways. And by winning ways, I mean finishing with a record over 500, maybe getting to the playoffs and winning a game. Said last year he was unhappy about three years without a playoff win. Now it's been four, and he's watching all these other teams compete. We all know the Patriots, if they play their best game, can keep up with these teams. It has got to be infuriating for ownership. But to what effect did that email 
on Monday and the press release on Tuesday have on the head coach. And what does that say about who could be the head coach going forward as well? Mark and I will examine that as well as a juicy little tidbit that just made its way from an online gambling service. You'll never believe who one gambling site actually has as a potential favorite to land in Foxborough. This one will blow your mind, folks. You're going to want to stay tuned. It's Fitzy and Dondero here on the afternoon show on MLK Day on WEEI. We're right back to WEEI. of the rock and roll guy behind the glass. Who was that? Bringing out the new Ozzy Osbourne. That new Ozzy? That is new Ozzy, baby. Although uh, it's what the sad note that I played because it's Jeff Peck playing guitar, and as we know, we all, we uh, lost him last week. Yeah, that was a big loss. Jeff yes. Beck was oh, like, Jeff, Jeff Beck could pick it. He could without a pick. Yeah, I might add. That's funny thing. He could pick it without a pick. Yeah. Unless. That does not, that no more, if you gave me 10 guesses, I would have never said that sounds like Ozzy really? Osbourne. It sounds good. Wow. All right, there's that's a little more Aussie like. Yeah. What is he about 100 now? He's like I think 72, 73 maybe. Of all the people that are still with us and still rocking. Does it surprise you the most that Aussie's in his 70s still making music? I mean, can you believe what that guy has put himself through? What that guy has done, the how hard that guy has lived? Yeah. You're just like how come some people you know, some people go way too early, and a guy like Ozzy, you know, I hope he sticks around forever. 74. Yeah. I, I, Holy smokes. It's funny that uh, when you think about it, and yeah, there's probably other shows, but, like, that sh- the, remember the Osbournes? Sharon! Wasn't yeah, that, course. like, the beginning of, not reality TV, but, like, some of those, like, family-based. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, scripted kind of family reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Family scripted reality family-based. Shows. Yeah, like Nick and Jessica. What was that Newlyweds or Lovebirds? Yeah, or- yeah. The Dum Dums or whatever they call it. Of what the Wait, Kardashians no, are. There's no chicken and chicken of the sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but and I, that Ozzie line, started that, that yep. line right there, basically summates exactly how great the Patriots' offense <laughs> was this season. Yeah, it was brutal. Six one seven 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 nine. Though that's what's no, it, it didn't. didn't have to be. Like you said, the weapons on some of these other teams, they're not all loaded with all pros. No. Like the Patriots' weapons were right there with the Jaguars' right. weapon. You know? Oh, the, the, the Patriots' weaponry and offensive talent is completely commensurate to Jacksonville's as 100%. And that was my line all year long on the radio, on the Six Rings postgame show, on the Six Rings podcast, wherever we talked Patriots here. That was my line, Mark. It didn't have to be like this. But it ended up like this. And almost every, now you could say like, well, you know, did the defense give up touchdowns and clutch moments, uh, you know, or did the special teams fall apart because of Matt Patricia's play calling? No, but there's always a corollary effect. You know, something goes wrong in your body. It doesn't just like one leg. Uh, there's an issue with one leg, like you overcompensate here and then it could wrench your back. And next thing you know, your shoulders hurt. Like there's always a corollary effect. One thing going wrong on a football team can lead to a bunch oh, of different of issues. So 
does Matt Patricia calling too many screens and, you know, over, you know, bad spacing and bunching up receivers affect the defense or special teams on paper or on the surface? No. But is there a carryover effect? Hell yes, there is. You don't think Tom Brady influenced the play and the work ethic of some of the defensive players over the course of his career? Like, all he created the culture. And, and the culture that was created or that was in place for the Patriots this year wasn't good. You know, wasn't confident. They I don't think they thought they went into games necessarily thinking they were going to have a dynamic offensive performance. So absolutely it could affect the different things with the defense. So this past week, uh what we called the unique week, the weird week for the Patriots. Is that about as weird an off-season week as you can remember? The team doing very anti-Belichickian things in terms of Robert Kraft's email, which eventually we had to know on Monday was going to make its way to the public, like some season ticket member was going to share it. Turns out it was someone from the other radio station in town. And then on Tuesday, the email, the press release, like an announcement, like I'm surprised they didn't like roll out the palace guard with like, you know, the red carpet and the three, like a decree from Robert Kraft of, you know, House Patriots at one Gillette Stadium. Like it, it was so bizarre. It was so bizarre, but I think it's because, obviously, uh, Belichick likes to tell you that he, you know, ignores the noise, but they listen to everything. They read every clip. They listen to everything. They're completely in, in tune with and in touch with how the media is reacting, what the fans are saying, what opponents are saying. And, obviously, Robert Kraft, the Kraft family, Mr. Kraft, cares a lot about public perception, the reputation of the team, and being a big deal. And when you get a Sunday night football game flexed out, when you don't have a full house on Christmas Eve, when suddenly the secondary market is selling Patriots tickets for $50 and you're barely hanging on to a postseason berth once again, and you've got season ticket holders openly complaining online, on the radio, in the parking lots, at Gillette before the games, Robert Kraft cares about that. So you can be damn well sure that everything this week, Bill was probably told, like, you're going to have to get out of the way of this one because this is how Robert wants it. And I'm glad that Bill Belichick appears willing to to change. To be to party to this, yes. open to that type of big change that had to happen because that opens the door for me to other changes that could happen that Bill maybe a few years ago wasn't open to but now might be open to, whether that's finding a receiver, whether that's overpaying for a bona fide number one receiver. But just in terms of like the appeasing the fan mm-hmm. thing, like I'm not for that. Like I want them to get the offensive coordinator. I was happy to see that they made that uh, clear that that's what they were going to do. But I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear like just go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to hear High and Bloom talk at the beginning of the press conference introducing or reintroducing Raphael Devers that the fans like giving a pep talk to the fans and how now that you can see what we're trying to do here and that ownership is committed. Like I don't want to hear that. Like I want to see the results. And I get they're in a tough spot. Like, some of these guys, Belichick isn't one of them, but obviously, but they they weren't here. There's been so much success here. It's always going to be viewed in the, like, the bar is always going to be so high mm-hmm. because of what they did in Brady and the Red Sox and all the championships over the last 20 years. So I get that's a tough thing to do, follow that up. But I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to, don't pep talk the fans. Mm-hmm. Just go out there and do something. Go hire the offensive coordinator that's going to be an asset, that's going to add value, that's going to turn around the offense. Then the fans will come back, and they'll and they'll be happy, and they'll be excited, and they won't bad talk you. So when you do secretly listen to everything, you'll like what you hear. When they start conducting offensive coordinator interviews, 
Do you fancy that it's going to be just Bill Belichick in the room, or do you think it's going to be, obviously, there'll be some other people in there as well. I think director of pro player personnel, you know, Matt Groh will be in there as well, maybe some of the other offensive minds. But the Crafts have to be part of this now, too. Like they if, to. if they're insisting, like, Bill, we need to make change, and, and Tom Curran's report of Bill being open to change is true, I think they have to be, like, I think they're going to need final approval. I, I don't think they have completely taken away Bill's power. Andy Hart's wording yesterday was he thinks Belichick has now been slightly emasculated in terms of how he can conduct affairs and business. Like, he's still the president of football operations. He's still the HC. He is still the main man in charge of everything down there at Gillette Stadium. But the Crafts did enter the chat, and they entered the chat pretty hard last week as well. And I think they're going to be a part of it. I think they're going to be a huge part of this whole process because I think they're literally concerned. Like, they hate becoming part of the middle. They hate flirting with irrelevance. They hate becoming a punchline and an afterthought. I had one friend tell me the Patriots were basically becoming the Steven Seagal of the NFL. Like, they used to be great, and everyone used to fear them, and now they're just a joke. Like, whoa, if that's where they are, you can be damn sure that Robert Kraft, Jonathan Kraft, and company are going to be involved. Yeah, you should. they should be, because what we were just talking about, the, the culture, the change in the offensive culture especially, that has to happen. And if I'm the owner... If there's a culture change that's going to happen within my football team, I want to be a part of it. I need to be – it's got to be more than just, hey, you know, a quick like, – this is the guy, this is who it's going to be. Let, now let's go up and meet the owner. The owner's got to be a part of the conversations, get the vi- catch a vibe from this new guy, this new person, and figure out if that's somebody that they're on board with and if they like the vibe that they're getting, not just Bill. Look – we all appreciate and respect Bill Belichick, and I hate that this always turns into you, you're you a hater or whatever. I respect Bill Belichick and appreciate Bill Belichick as much as anybody. Yeah. But I can also say, since Tom Brady left, this hasn't been done well, this has gone wrong, this wasn't done well, and there wasn't much of a plan at quarterback outside of the 15th pick falling to them and Mac Jones or whatever. So, I, I yes. He does need to be monitored a little bit more closely at this point, and I don't blame Robert Kraft if that's what he wants to do. He should do that. The attention to detail sometimes. He's so fastidious, so detail-oriented on certain matters that he becomes almost myopic, so hyper-focused that he forgets, like, you kind of need to build a succession plan. You kind of need to be ready for uh, my least favorite show on the NFL Network, Life After Gronk. You need to get ready for Life After Brady, especially if you're the one willing to put your blank on the table and say, I think we'll be okay if we let Tom Brady go. Okay, well, he's only the greatest player in franchise and if not NFL history. What's the plan? Stidham? Uh, oh, no, uh, Newton. Uh, who you owed favors to, and you wouldn't start Stidham, so you gave Cam a reclamation year because Cam took some of the slings and arrows of an angry Patriots nation and the focus off of you. Like, at this point, it's like, Bill, just, you've tried to take on too much. Go back to just being an incredible defensive mind, a brilliant in-game coach, steer the Patriots the right way, allow some help in the room. It's okay. It's not a big deal. And I think if we get the proper help, uh, you know, they'll turn the corner. What that help will be, We'll see. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Uh, When the offensive coordinator interviews are conducted, uh, obviously the first question that's going to be asked is, are you in or out on Mac Jones, and how do you think you can fix him? Are you in or out on Mac Jones? We'd love to hear from you guys at 617-779-7937. Plus, I'm going to pay off that tease when we start hour number two of Fitzy and Dondero. You won't believe who a gambling site has an odds-on favorite of coming to the Patriots. It's an absolute mind-blower. I'm not into it, but I'd love to hear if you guys are. It's Fitzy and Don Darrow, hour number two on WEI, coming up.